Good morning. This is Tom Clark with the Father's Heart Media and uh, Papa Tom's Tales. And I have a special guest with me today called Dina Reisner. Reisner or Rosner? How do I mean? Rosner. Rosner. Okay. Yeah. Dina Rosner with greater impact. And she's uh, speaking to us from Ohio today. And uh, we have a special um, subject that we want to cover on the specific area of uh, woundedness. Uh, that being said, uh, all the uh, media content that we're putting together from the Father's Heart media, media is all about connection. Connection from the heart of God the Father to us and also natural connections between fathers uh, and their children. So we're always following Malachi 4, 6. At the end of the age, I'll bring the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Well, it's hard to do. It's impossible to do that if fear stands in the way. And if there's a wound there, that's going to introduce fear and that's going to uh, interfere. We don't want that interference to be there. So our promise to our audience today is that by listening to this podcast, they will be able to address the woundedness in their life and help them overcome and resolve that. Uh, there'll be action steps at the end that you can take to, to deal with that. So with that in mind, let me introduce Nina. Nina, tell the audience about yourself. I'm the CEO and founder of Greater Impact Ministries. We're a communication coaching organization. Mm -hmm. uh, we're designed to connect people um, to each other and themselves and facilitate connection with God on a deeper level. The whole thing, just like you were talking about connection, <laughs> that's what we do too. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love being here and talking with you, Tom. Well, great. So um, we were going to talk about uh, your website. Tell us the, the audience about your website. Yeah, it's greaterimpact.org. And on it, you can get some really quick help. Uh, <laughs> if you're walking on eggshells, we have a free ebook that you can download called Stop Walking on Eggshells. Mm -hmm. Give some people some tips on dealing with conflict mm -hmm. and handling uh, challenging relationships in a way that glorifies the Lord. Why would people be walking on eggshells? What's happening to them that's causing them to walk <laughs> on eggshells? Yeah, it's that whole fear thing you just mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. We're afraid of another person. We've put them on the throne. We don't even know we're doing it. And in that action, and nobody likes it when I say this, but this is, this is what I think. In that action, when we're afraid of somebody else's re response to us, we're actually considering them as their opinion more important than the Lord's. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, we're in alignment with Satan because we're believing a lie, we're acting out of woundedness, out of fear, and that is not who Jesus is. <laughs> right, clearly not the case. So uh, we need to really have our a vertical relationship with God the Father connected and have him know, have us be able to receive the love that he has for us. That's uh, the following again of uh, our whole theme of uh, perfect love casts out fear. There's only one place you can get perfect love, and that's from God the Father. So uh, let's dig into this a little bit more deeply. I was mentioning to you earlier about an interesting movie that my wife and I saw last night um, called Redeeming Love. And it's, it's a Christian-based movie. It's certainly biblically based. Uh, it doesn't come across as a quote-unquote Christian movie. You don't sense that when you're first listening to it because it's very well done and it's very, very much uh, top of the line uh, acting and, and uh, the visual effects are very strong. 
Uh, it's about the life of Hosea and uh, a young girl who uh, gets trapped into um, a lifestyle of prostitution. And she's trapped into that lifestyle, starting with her mother, but starting with the premise of illegitimacy. She was an illegitimate birth. And um, the man who impregnated her was married, to, her mother was uh, married to um, someone else. And uh, she overheard the conversation that she was an illegitimate child. You know, it's interesting about generational sins. Uh, generational sins go back three or four generations, except for two. And the two uh, generational sins that go back for 10 generations is incest. And I think the other one is uh, illegitimacy. Hmm. Illegitimacy. So in the story, um, the story of Hosea, the young girl who's called Angel in the movie uh, by the man uh, who named her Angel, it's kind of ironic, who was a very, very evil man who was into pedophilia, uh, bought her when she was about seven or eight years old. Uh, but she got caught into uh, the prostitution because her mother couldn't provide for herself. The setting of the movie is in the 1980, I'm sorry, 1880, 1850, uh, the California gold rush, that kind of environment of California, around, not inside, it was in and out of small town in California outside of San Francisco, um, but that area of, the, of the, the California area, the gold rush area. So uh, the mother couldn't provide for herself, so she got caught into prostitution to provide for herself. Then she gets sick and dies, and a man takes over this young girl and sells her to this really evil man named McGowan, and he's a pedophile, and the story goes on from there and there. But uh, I won't tell you all the details of it. The point is, this child was wounded horribly. Yeah. Right from the first thing that she heard was that she was illegitimate, and her father didn't want her. And then her mother's lifestyle that was drawn into that. And then it was even worse for her than her mother. Her mother ended up dying and uh, she ended up uh, into prostitution. The, the pedophile who bought her put her in a, in a brothel and she grew up in a brothel and she became a prostitute herself and he named her Angel. And afterwards, you see as the story unfolds, she won't tell anybody what her real name is. And she becomes this very famous prostitute, and but all sorts of wicked, wicked, wicked things happen to her while she's going through this lifestyle. And then a man who prays to God, he's a farmer, and he named Michael, Michael Hosea, and he prays <laughs> to God and asks for a wife. And he's God says, I'll answer your prayer. And he goes through town and he sees her walking through the town with her body God. And he says, That's my wife. So then he finds out she's a prostitute. He says, I don't care. And he goes and spends his money to spend time with her. And the time he spends with her, he just talks to her. And she doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And it goes on and on with multiple stories that she can't have kids. And she keeps going back to that lifestyle because she can't receive the love of God coming from Michael, her husband. Uh, it's really a beautiful story how deep um, God can express himself through a human being. And one of the things that's key throughout the whole theme of the movie is that Michael, uh, she thinks that, that, that uh, marriage is slavery. Angel thinks that marriage is slavery. And yet this lifestyle she is, she's in total bondage and in slavery. Yeah. And so the things yeah. that is actually setting her free is the opposite of what she thinks. 
So it goes through all, you can see multiple situations in the movie of woundedness and multiple examples of healing and all the way through it obviously has a very positive ending at the end uh but you're really tied to the seat you know when you're watching what goes on in her life and you're just horrified of, of the i won't go into all the details of it uh nonetheless one of the key themes that michael keeps offering her is he stops going after her even though she runs away multiple times because he keeps saying she has free will she has free will I want her to choose. And it's really one of the primary ways that God shows his love for us is that he gives us free will to choose. So with that in mind, um, as an example of a, a story of that uh, movie that I would highly recommend to audience to watch, Redeeming Love. At the end of it, there's, there's a, uh, uh, a website called redeeminglovesanctuary.org. I think it's a fundraising thing for child trafficking. But... Uh, it's a very, very um, poignant story, a very story that's very redeeming and uh, something that communicates in many ways, I think, what uh, greater impact has expressed itself that I understand it is. So uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, well, you know, in, in reference to the story, there's a great example with Michael as what it looks like to love when you're healed to love with the love of God towards somebody else. You know, you don't, I haven't seen the movie, but from what you described, there's not a lot of moments where he's feeling rejected, where he's taking her behavior personally, where he's telling himself he's not worthy, which is, I mean, that's a thing that human beings do. And it's probably what she's doing inside her head, but he's healed in a space. And so he can walk forward in love. And that's kind of how it works. You know, we don't even know that we're moving in love when we're doing it because it doesn't hurt. We don't pay attention. It's just what we do. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's kind of interesting um, to contrast those things because we think that the healing means that, okay, I'm going to behave well mm -hmm. when really it's more than that. It, nothing hurts. You're bulletproof. And, and you're not even aware that there was a wound there before because mm -hmm. it's gone. And that's one of the reasons Jesus came. That's part of, our salvation experience is mm. to be healed, you know, healed, brokenhearted. That's, that's healing. <laughs> We're not brokenhearted anymore. So. It, it is interesting in the movie because there are times when Michael does in the movie does get wounded or not, it shouldn't, gets hurt, not wounded, but he processes th through conversations yes. and by him processing it, he comes back to that place of healing and he can handle it at that point. Initially mm. he's like dealing with, Oh my God, you know, what is she doing? Uh, and uh, but he he's resolute, and he's resolute through the whole movie, and he's able to uh, bring her out of it. It's, it's almost as if you you're you're not really conscious of this, but it's almost as if Michael has an assignment from God yeah. to redeem this woman angel, whose actual name in reality is Sarah, which means princess. So uh, the movie is very rewarding and very worthwhile spending the time to listen to it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a proverb that says, Proverbs 27, 6 says, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend and deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And, uh, you know, that's something particularly in this sexually, um, how shall I say, uh, you know, dramatized movie because there's a lot of sex in the movie or it's about sex, even though you don't see the sex. They, there's a lot of false 
kisses of a friend, which are extremely deceitful. But yeah. uh, you know, people trying to do the right thing uh, brings about, um, you know, an end result, which is very healing. Do you have an example of uh, someone that you have worked with that was able to overcome a wounded situation that brought them to fear, but they were able to come overcome the fear because of the healing with the wound? Yeah, so um, I, I do work with a wide gamut of people. Um, I, do, I do coaching with people that have been sexually abused that are trying to work that back into uh, the ability to be intimate with their spouse. And it's amazing to see what God does in those situations. But I think a lot of us, because you know, 20% of women have been sexually molested, um, sexually abused, and I think it's one in nine men. So, you know, that applies to a, a significant portion of people out there. But there's also, and this applies to them too, there's also this space in us where, you know, you're in the middle of the day and <laughs> something happens and we get our feelings hurt. We get triggered and we, we, you know, how do you interact with that? Worst case scenario, I had a client who's, um, spouse was not heavily physically abusive, um, but actually grabbed her wrist and nearly broke it. It was, it was bruised and all that. Um, and, sh and she ended up um, laying down a very strong boundary for him and, and basically changed the locks on their house and said, you know, when you go get help for this, then I want to start talking about our marriage. Mm -hmm. And so he went out and um, started taking classes, got a therapist, all those kinds of things. But in her situation, it was a you know, a hard love, a tough love kind of situation because everything she tried up to that point wasn't, wasn't working. And she really wanted to be with him. Um, as part of her healing journey, um, she gave me a story recently of how she was just sitting there um, in the living room and um, her spouse and some other family members were making dinner. And he um, said to her, you know, you need to cut the bread. And she's sitting there and she's, oh, and, and she said her face reacted because she wasn't expecting that. And she's in the middle of doing something else. And then he, he gave her an eye roll of fine, never mind, and asked their kid to come to it. And so the daughter comes over and starts dealing with this bread situation. And my client ends up wandering off, going upstairs and be like, okay, Lord, what happened here? Why was I upset by that? And um, it was the surprise, the trigger was the, the shock of, you know, being interrupted. She didn't expect that. Um, and, and then she very clearly got two images in her head of what it was like to be her spouse <laughs> and, and making this request and her response to that and herself and her own situation. She was like, you know, neither one of us needed to respond like that. Love was not present for either one of us. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a huge place to be where you can have that kind of awareness. Mm -hmm. And what's also neat, um, and she's given me permission to talk about these things. I do it in a really general way because I don't want to reveal who she is. I think that's smart. But yeah. the, um, the other thing that is, is neat is that there's along the way, there's been places where she's had beautiful wins where she hasn't even realized that she's acted in love. 
and that other person has responded in love. And later somebody will say, hey, that was really generous or kind or whatever. And she wasn't even aware of it, Mm -hmm. which is that's kind of what we're talking about. It's kind of a continuum where I'm so wounded if I'm over here and I'm like set off, triggered big time. I'm really emotional that's a huge wound in me mm-hmm. and over in the middle it's like okay i don't like this i'm a little bit upset but i'm going to do the right thing we call this white knuckling where we grab on and i'm going to listen to you or oh. <laughs> ask you questions final validate you all that stuff and then on the other side of that once you fully heal in that space and can receive god's love then you're over here and, and there's no pain there's no hurt um and you're not surprised it, it's this crazy beautiful journey um, and it takes time, but it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. And the Lord, the Lord's amazing in that space. He wants us to heal so that sure. we can love like that. You know, I uh, was reading this book by Rachel Ham, uh, where she describes a situation, three situations she described where she was very wounded um, when she was younger. One by her grandmother, who uh, they came from a poor family, and the grandmother once a year would take the extended family out to the beach and have a big beach house and have multiple families in the beach house. And it was the most fun time of her year. And one time her father had gotten into an argument with one of the other cousins and the grandmother said, you can't come this year. Hmm. And that devastated her. And a second time was when she was in high school, which her best friend uh, turned on her and joined a clique and she was excluded from that clique. And the third time it was some other situation. I doesn't recall it correctly, but the more important thing in all three instances, uh, her way out was when she went to God and asked him about um, this rejection, because all three instances were rejection. The wounds came specifically from rejection at a deep emotional level. And she said that God told her with each rejection, I have attached an invitation. And the invitation is to come to me and I'll give you something better than what you were rejected. In fact, those people who have rejected you, I've allowed that to happen because they weren't that good for you anyway. Mm. There was something hidden in there you didn't see in your future that I cut off from you and they rejected you. And I know you were hurt by it, but the thing that I have better for you will be better for you, not only now, but also in the long run. So I thought that was a very interesting uh, uh, offer that she put in her book and a a biblical way, a truthful way of looking at it and really turning the table on rejection. Um, Other thing I wanted to mention was, um, have you ever had clients who were uh, sexually molested, particularly women, girls, who were sexually molested when they were a young age and their personality split to, to protect themselves? from what had happened to them? Uh, no, I'm not a therapist. So oh. if I got into that kind of territory, I would refer them to see, see a therapist. But you know, you're right, that does happen. We do disassociate yeah. to um, protect ourselves, that's yeah. the thing. You know, in the movie, going back to that movie, Redeeming Love, she doesn't come out exactly say it, but she, she had cut off so much of her feelings mm-hmm. in the movie, and she said that. Uh, it was as if she had a dissociative identity disorder in the movie, the way they portrayed it. And Michael it had helped her bring her back so she became integrated again because yeah. of the love that he showed her. 
another uh, thing that I would like to bring up in this conversation about woundedness, and I find it um, more prevalent than people are aware, and that's even in my own family. I have six children, and three of them have gone through instances of panic attacks, hmm. and panic attacks being triggered by fears. Yeah. And I haven't been able to figure out uh, where the wound came from that caused the fear. So it's like, what's the thought behind the thought that brought mm -hmm. them to this place? But they've been able to successfully move past those positions because they've been encouraged to seek the love of God for them. And so I would like to know, uh, offer to our audience, you want to maybe express something about panic attacks to our audience. Yeah, that's a very common thing, even more so now. Thank you, COVID. Uh, everybody's got this extra layer watch of anxiety. Watch your words about saying thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> so, yeah, nobody's grateful for that one. But the it, it adds an extra layer of tension. Um, and it's always around. And nobody really knows what to do with it. So you get fear of the unknown there. And so um, it's not just a coaching industry, but also therapeutic industries that have seen an, an increase in people coming to them with severe anxiety, with panic attacks. And you're absolutely right in that, you know, dealing with the, those moments, we, we have a course for women called Strength and Dignity, and we teach them how to, in those moments, grab onto those thoughts, take them captive, and tame them to the mind of Christ so that they can then and, and be thankful for what God's doing so right. that they can receive the peace that surpasses understanding in that space and then think rightfully, mm -hmm. you know, about whatever's true, noble, pure, admirable, praiseworthy, all of that. Because um, we, we can create more anxiety for ourselves if we don't control our thoughts. And, you know, and hitchhiking back onto what you were saying um, with the anxiety with, with you know, some of your kids, there's stuff that is back in the background, you know, like it might, might be some small thing that happened to a three-year-old, right? right? That you might've had a, a James Dobson perfect parenting moment, <laughs> whatever, A plus as a dad, but Satan got to your kid mm -hmm. and twisted whatever happened into something ugly. It was, you know, traumatizing for them. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know, and the kid didn't say anything. And then something else happens and it just builds and builds and builds. And then we be, we become overreactive in real life on a daily basis. And, you know, something as, as simple as, well, good morning. Well, what's good about it? You know, everything is an attack. And, right. and then we become kind of argumentative and that whole don't take offense thing. We're taking offense and then we're dishing offense mm -hmm. versus being patient and kind and walking in love. We literally can't do that because those wounds are in the way of those things. So what's the uh, connection between uh, somebody being wounded and somebody being offended because they're wounded? Yeah, most of the time we don't make the connection. So let's say you say something rude to your wife. And you Not say me. something rude. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she said something rude to you. you know, whatever it is, right? No, I, I say that in jest entirely because I almost a lot of times I think that they talk about that spirit Leviathan. I could say something that's not that way, and my wife might turn it, or the enemy tries mm -hmm. to turn what I'm saying into a, you know, a statement that was not what was intended. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a very common experience that we have. And that that's Satan at his best work, you know, so that gets twisted based on the filters that we have, the things we actually believe. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I believe I'm unlovable because, you know, my mom didn't stick up for me and I'm just making this up as I go. But, you know, maybe I believe that I'm not worthy because my dad didn't um, say way to go on that report card or whatever and the, all the little things that add up over time so when somebody says something to me and it feels a little bit similar to all of that mm-hmm. then instead of being able to love in that moment I react out of the wounding that I've got I take offense without even knowing that I'm doing it and I'm blaming that other person even though what they may have said is perfectly fine mm-hmm. and, and in the cases where they're not saying something kind when they're acting out of their wounding because that's what we really believe is that at the core of you know the opposite of love is fear and so when we're acting out of that um the the opportunity exists to meet that person in that place and explore that with them yeah i I was working with a mom this morning who uh, was talking about dealing with one of her sons and um you know he'll say something back to her when she'll ask him to do a a chore and he'll be like how come you're always like this and and she'll I, I encourage her to sit down with him and say tell me more about this what's what is what are you trying to tell me here versus being what do you mean I'm always like this you know what we we argue we fight create more of this instead of trying to explore what that other person is experiencing that's yeah. what love is but we can't even do that when we're offended because well, of our own ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I, I looked at the scriptures and I could never find a spot in scripture where Jesus was offended. No matter what the Pharisees said to him, anybody said to him, never offended. You know, he, would, he would respond in sometimes strong terms, but he never came across as being offended in an emotional way to what was being expressed. And that's because he knew entirely who he was. Exactly. And, and no matter what anybody said, it never changed what God said about him or what the father said about him. I mean, he knew his identity and and, and his his knowledge of his identity is complete. And I think that's one of the things that we can offer to uh, our audience is um, know your identity, know really truly in the depth of your being who you are. And if you find places where you are wounded, if you find places where you are offended, there the offense is pointing to some coming out of some wound is coming some out of some thought mm-hmm. that is not true about you it's not true about what the father says about you mm-hmm. and so uh, i think that whole aspect of identity you know the first book that i came out with was uh papa tom's tales is 12 books i've written published two of them so far uh and uh 10 more to go each one of them deals with a fear and how the perfect love of god the love of god overcomes the fear the first one was about identity and it was the boy who found his name because he didn't know who he was. And he goes up to God the Father, and God the Father tells him who he is. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's, that's crucial to everything, knowing your identity. The second book is about uh, Luke the light bearer defeats the spirit of confusion. And it's about uh, gender dysphoria, not really understanding you know, the whole gender thing and transgender and so forth. Never mentions those words, but that's what it's dealing with. And it really came out of the wounding of a young boy's father and his woundedness um, brought him to the place where he named 
his son Susan as a girl and that brought in all sorts of problems in the father's life as well as the children's life and how God was able to straighten that out by giving him the truth. Um, so, uh, and, and how the spirit of confusion, you know, you mentioned about woundedness, right? An offense. The spirit of confusion has a field day in those places of causing us to be confused about what people are saying, what they're doing, misinterpretation of things. Uh, do you come across that in your practice where the confusion is uh, rampant? Yeah, absolutely. The, the frustrating part, and I just hate Satan for this, is when he twists the word with somebody. Um, it's one thing to be confused about what you should be doing when it's not real clear in scripture. There's not an edict around it. Um, but when Satan uses the word to twist things up, um, we have, we have a number of women on our team that are incredible and a couple of them called to speak and, and do different things that way. And, um, it's been interesting over the years to see how the enemy spins that up and twists it. So they're, they're confused about their calling even, mm -hmm. um, and then I think it's brilliant on his part. I mean, he's really good at what he does. Mm -hmm. And, and what, what's really cool too is when they can overcome that and grab onto where, where is the vulnerability in me that's allowing that thought to even, that my questioning of what I know God's asked me to do, it, when they can grab onto this and then repent of that sin which basically means i'm not believing god and nobody likes to call it that but that's what it is <laughs> but when when they repent from that and go a different direction and embrace what the lord's telling them you know that that space where the enemy was after him not available any longer and they have to take the thoughts captive because he tries to come back sure but when we know who we are just like jesus you have a different heart about you you can you can be dealing with somebody who's lobbying um, mean words that you even and know that they're not about you, but really what's going on inside that person. And that's, that's Jesus on the cross saying, forgive them, father. They don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's the heart that we're looking for. And we can't force that, but it naturally occur, occurs as we receive the father's love for us. And it's a really neat thing to see it happen in other people and yourself. Very well, empowering. As you know, the scripture says the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And whereas he can't necessarily kill us physically, although he tries that, he certainly tries to steal, kill, and destroy our calling and our destinies. And his success at stealing our calling, our destiny is predicated on our not knowing our identity. Mm -hmm. Whatever the yeah, confusion is about that is where, is where he wins. Well, yeah, very true. And you know, you brought up the wound of the father in your latest published book, the interesting thing about that, mm -hmm. and, and all of us as parents don't want to initially, we're a little bit afraid of taking an explore around where am I wounded in the recognition that I've wounded my children, because that's how it works. Um, and we don't like that, but if we can just accept that we're humans, and this is part of normal Christian living yes. and we're doing our best, then we don't need to be afraid of the healing process. Mm -hmm. We can walk into it knowing that the Lord has the best things in mind for us through that. Mm -hmm. And it's not as awful as people make it out to be um, or before we do it. 
it's, but if we're if we're in denial and we yeah. and we uh don't admit that something exists because mm -hmm. we're afraid to admit that it exists then yeah. we can't a, we've eliminated the first step to healing you first have to admit that it exists yeah right? you're absolutely yeah spot on denial is more than the river in egypt it's, <laughs> unfortunately it's a place we all go to when we don't when we got fear and we don't want to look at that yeah um, and then the next thing after we admit that it exists is to ask for help you know um most people they say they need help or something like that but they don't really want to humble themselves to ask someone specifically and personally i need help with this yeah right well that humbleness is actually the lack of it pride it, it's fear again fear <laughs> we'll, we'll not do tons of really good things for us because of fear mm -hmm. and the lord just wants us to come to him and be loved in the middle of it I, the most mind-blowing thing is to know that no matter what we think or what we say or what we do even in those ugly moments he loves us wildly even then he's right there with us you know i heard an interesting uh, sermon on uh, naaman um the leper who was the commander of the armies of syria and uh, he got past the first thing which was uh he admitted that he had leprosy and then he asked the king of syria for help and he gave him a letter and silver and gold to go visit elijah the prophet but then when he gets to elijah's house uh he he himself got in his way because of his own expectations of what he thought was going to happen he thought elijah was going to come out and wave his hands and made some kind of magical thing he was looking for drama a dramatic event and uh uh in his mind's eye it was dramatic and it didn't happen that way didn't meet his expectations so what does elijah do he sends his servant out to uh this mighty commander of the armies and tells him to go wash in the river Jordan seven times. And Naaman goes, what the hell is this? I mean, you know, I could have washed in two rivers, you know, in Syria. I didn't have to come all the way here to wash the river. But what was going on, they brought out and, and you start to think about it a little deeply in scripture, what they were saying in order for him to have washed, which was very simple, he would have had to have taken off his clothes. And at taking off his clothes, he would have exposed the degree of leprosy that he had because he, in having it, by wearing his clothes, he could cover up the leprosy. But by getting naked to, to, to wash in front of his soldiers and his officers, he would have had to expose himself that way. So one level was his own expectations with not being met. And so he, he ran away, went away in a rage, literally. And the second one was, I'm not washing myself, you know, in this river what it is, because there would have been, an, they would take humility to expose what he happened. But uh, his officers certainly talked to him back into it. Why not? What do you got to lose? You know, if the prophet says to do this, just go ahead and do it. So he ended up doing it. And sure enough, his skin turned as, as clear as a baby's skin. So um, he did receive his healing by doing simple things that were not easy to do. And they were not easy to do because psychologically and emotionally, he had huge boulders in the way that he had to overcome those emotional obstacles in order to take the simple step of washing seven times. So I'm sure you have people doing the same things. You could uh, pray with them and recommend they do simple things, but they may not be easy to do. 
yeah. even though they're simple to do. Yeah, and, and you on. mentioned expectation. Ugh, that's, you know, where we're trying to fill a need within us that is really God's to fill, and we're looking to another person to do this thing. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't behave well in your relationships and love other people and, you know, try to have a good marriage and all that. And yeah, there's acceptable behaviors and things and boundaries and all that. But if you have a need within you and you're expecting this thing and then you're disappointed, that says a lot about you because we should be, should be able to recognize that we're all human and nobody's going to be able to fill our needs like Jesus does. But we don't even know to go to that. Um, but that sense of identity that we are lacking will look to other people to tell us who we are. Mm -hmm. When, if we'll just look to God, he will tell us not only who we are, but how to walk that out. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful when it's done, it's, it's humbling, but then that's the first step of, of confronting that fear, you know? True. You know, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they said Elijah and Jeremiah and, and uh, John the Baptist or different, different prophets, not John the Baptist, but Elijah. They mentioned three different prophets. And he said, well, I'm not asking you about what other people say who I am. Who do you say I am? Yeah. And then uh, Peter pipes in and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. In other words, man did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. And all that information comes, all that revelation comes from God the Father, of who we are. And that's yeah. what the Father's Heart Ministry is really all about, is connecting with God the Father, because he's the one we got to go to uh, when we want help. And everybody needs help. Nobody really needs religion, but everybody needs to have a relationship with God. And it's very, very practical and critically necessary in the times that we live in, as if we didn't live in before, because of the, uh, how shall I say, uh, volume of energy that the enemy is expending in producing fear. It needs to be combated with an overpowering uh, explosion of energy and the aspect of love to overcome the fear that's coming against us. So uh, we're pretty much bringing this to a close. Before we do close, um, do you have a call to action that's something that uh, we could recommend to uh, our audience who do find themselves offended, do find themselves wounded, and are coming to an understanding that my offense and my woundedness is based upon a fear that I have? Uh, how, does, how does that work? How, does that, how can we help them out? Yeah, so the, a real simple way um, that we offer is that we have a free ebook on our website, greaterimpact.org, and it, it'll tell you stuff that you can do in, in dealing with that. Um, and, it, and the first thing is to talk to God about it, you know, mm -hmm. to not be afraid of that and to go to the Father and ask Him for help. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I love about your work is the heart of the Father. It connecting with the sons and, and men, especially in this time in our country, really need that kind of encouragement and, and love the books that you have that, you know, you can connect with children in this space. Mm -hmm. So I think we should remind them of the titles of your books, too. <laughs> well, the first one was the, the boy who found his name. And the second one is Luke the Light Bearer Defeats the Spirit of Confusion. And at my website, 
thefathersheartmedia.com. I'll also give you a free book. And the free book is How to Talk to God the, God the Father as Dad. You see, so many people are, uh, when you mentioned go to God, which is absolutely true, so many people are afraid. You know why they're afraid? Because they, they have this completely wrong image of who God the Father is. They don't see him as Dad or Abba, as the Hebrews would refer to him as Abba or Daddy. They, they see him as somebody's going to punish them. Yeah. They see him as somebody who's either afraid of God the Father. And if you have fear in your heart, you can't talk to God. You can't hear from him. You can't hear back if you have fear. Uh, yeah. A lot of people want to want to hear prophetic words and things like that. And you can't get a prophetic word. You can't get revelation if you have fear. You've got to get fear out of your mind and get it out of your heart so that the, the sort of like the uh, the heavens open up so you can hear from God. And I give them five, five simple steps. Not always easy, but five simple steps they could take. And I offer that to them by... Um, the first ebook is uh, that, and uh, if you go, go down a little further, you get all our, my podcasts, obviously, are for free. Uh, the second book, um, the spirit of uh, Luke the Light Bearer defeats the spirit of confusion, is available in ebook form for nine ninety nine, uh, just to download it. Um, but the the important part of the first the the ebook that I give about talking to God the Father, which is critically essential to everything else you're going to do. Uh, is just for putting in, uh, becoming a subscriber and putting their email list in there. And they get that one for free. Nice. So we, we want to thank our audience for listening to uh, Nina and greaterimpact.org and uh, the Father's Heart Media who joined together to, to produce this podcast for you. And we trust that you will be blessed in your life and begin to talk to God, your Father, as